Hello and welcome to SAE Tomorrow Today Unplugged. I'm your host, Grayson Brulte. On today's episode, today's topic is consolidation. That's right, consolidation is sweeping the industry. The consolidation is sweeping markets. It reminds me of this famous line penned by Bob Dylan in 1963. Come together, round people. Wherever you roam and admit that the waters around you have grown and accept it that soon, you'll soon be drenched to the bone. If your time is worth is a saving, then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone for the times they are a changing. Indeed, the times are changing in the autonomous vehicle space. Bob Dylan couldn't have said it any better. Frankly, consolidation's on the way. Global bank failures are abound. You have reminiscences of 2008. Are we going to have a Bear Stearns moment or are we going to have a Lehman Brothers moment? Who knows, but something's happening. First, it was Silicon Valley Bank, commonly referred to as SVB. They went under. That was affected the industry pretty dramatically. We had to run. We could say we started on Twitter. Who knows? That's for you to decide. Then it looks like Credit Suisse is next. BlackRock came out and said, nope, we're not taking over. Swiss National Bank comes in as a backstop. Perhaps they're the next to go. Or is it First Republic, even with their $30 billion infusion of capital from JP Morgan Chase, Citigroup, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Goldman Sachs, and Morgan Stanley? It only looks about a matter of time until that bank's failed or bought by a larger institution. Let's go back in history. Go back prior to 2008. First Republic was owned by Merrill Lynch. That's right, Merrill Lynch. They won the wealth unit. They wanted it. Well, when Bank of America bought Merrill, they spun out First Republic and it went public again. When the high is 220 and now it's down in the 30s, going down seems 20, 30% a day with multiple breaker stops. So that looks like that's the next to go down. It's big tech banks, so you have one side you have wealth management, another side you've got tech banking. Okay, that could be next, or perhaps it's a regional bank in California such as PacWest. They could be on their way down. We don't know who's next, but we do know one thing. The Fed led by Chair Jerome Powell's tightened until something broke. These massive rate increases, something broke. And as Bob Dylan penned these times, they are a-changing. That's right, they're changing. The, the Fed has induced this. There's, there's no doubt about it, but it started with the trillions of dollars in capital that was put into the markets, and, well, something had to give. Something had to break, and that's where we are now. And I, I, I was studying a lot about banks, and I want to point this out. This is a really interesting fact. In the United States, there's more than 4,000 banks as compared to the United Kingdom, commonly known as the UK or England. In Canada, they're dominated by a mere six banks. Mere six banks. We're here in the United States, 3,000 miles coast to coast. We've got 4,000 banks. Okay, so we've got quite a bit. Yes, you know, six banks dominate the markets of of Canada and the United Kingdom. A lot smaller than us, but six banks, that's right. I'm going to look into a crystal ball and read market headlines. You can see clearly... The same fates come to the United States. Perhaps we're dominated by a handful of banks. Our six banks is J.P. Morgan Chase, Citigroup, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley. Perhaps that's where it's looking. Look at the billions of dollars of inflows going to those banks. The day after uh, SVP went down, $15 billion in, ca- in fresh capital went into Bank of America. The, the deposit inflows, they're going. Those six banks, they're systematically important. And they're too big to fail. But should they be? Is there such thing as too big to fail? Global consequences if those banks fail. But if you're putting money in there, you know, it's stable. But as an entrepreneur and, 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 a, and a tech executive on the downside, you're getting 0.01% in your savings account, okay, compared to SVB, which was giving you over 4%. Chase, Wells, Goldman, Citigroup, B of A, they don't understand tech. They don't understand entrepreneurs. So you're, good luck getting a loan. Those days are, are going to happen. Well, was Silicon Valley Bank's underwriting too loose? You, you could make that argument, but it's going to have a detrimental n- negative ef- effect on everything. 
it's up for debate, but I'm not going to opine on that. I'm, I'm not going to offer an opinion on that. But what I will opine on and offer an opinion on is consolidation. It's coming to the autonomous vehicle industry. And to paraphrase the famed investor Howard Marks of Oak Tree Capital, Mr. Market's doing his job. That's right. Mr. Market's doing his job and consolidation's healthy and it's a part of business. Consolidation comes to every industry. You could be in the ice cream business or you could be in the fast food business or the QSR business or the paving business. Consolidation comes to every business. It, it doesn't matter what you do. And some industries have become overconsolidated. As we said with the banks, you're dominated by six big banks here in the United States, the UK and Canada. Okay, well, you could opine on that. But the fact is, the autonomous vehicle industry is not overconsolidated. Frankly, consolidation had to start in the autonomous vehicle industry. It's healthy. It's a healthy part of the industry. The autonomous vehicle industry, it had too much bloat. It didn't work out. It didn't go on a diet. Now the bloat's coming down. The industry is consolidating around a few major players. We saw what happened in tech. During the pandemic, way overhired, way overbought real estate. Well, Intel announced over the weekend that they're trying to sell their headquarters and, and Santa Clara moved down to San Jose. They got to consolidate. They're trying to become a leaner business. We're seeing all these different factors there. Uh, Facebook lays off our meta, that for a matter of fact, now lays off 10,000. Alphabet lays off 10,000. The companies got too, frankly, they got too big. They got too bloated. They didn't work out. And now they have to overcorrect. And it's, it's sad that has to happen, but... That's what happens when markets correct, and the, the market's correcting now. And, and getting back to autonomous vehicles, on the robo-taxi side of the industry, the, the market's currently dominated by Cruise and Waymo, with Motional making incredible strides. They're going to go drive route this year. Then there's Zooks. Where do they fit in this consolidating market? Well, Zooks is owned by Amazon. That's yet to be determined. A Andy Jassy, CEO of Amazon, he's on a cost-cutting spree. Amazon overhired during the pandemic. There, there's no, there's no doubt about that. So as Amazon goes on a cost-cutting spree, what happens to Zooks? Amazon has a healthy balance sheet, but does Andy Jassy make the decision to sell Zooks to try and shore up the balance sheet and, and stop the bleed that's coming out of Zooks, or, or does he stay with it? Don't know, but I'll tell you something. If if Zooks is to be sold, who do you think would step in and buy the company? Me, I, I'm unsure. I think about this, but. It's something to think about as an industry because our industry is undergoing massive changes for the times they are a changing or perhaps Andy Jassy makes a decision with Amazon. Let, let's double down on Zooks and let's go for it. Okay, let's go for it. What does he do? In my opinion, perhaps he creates a new tier of Amazon Prime called Amazon Mobility. You create it for a premium price. You start rolling out in markets such as San Francisco followed by other metropolitan markets. So perhaps it goes... San Francisco, then perhaps you go to LA, and then you go to Miami. Could be. But let's add some economic context to this thought that I have here. Amazon Prime is currently available in 23 countries around the world. It generates roughly $25 billion in annual revenue, with the average Prime subscriber spending $1,400 per year on Amazon. $1,400 per year on Amazon. That's what your average subscriber spends. And when you look into the data and dive into the surveys, well, why do you pay for Prime? Free shipping. It's brilliant mousetrap. Costco has the same mousetrap. You pay, you pay for the membership. You go in there and you go, oh, I'm going to get toilet paper. Or I'm going to get Bounty and maybe something for dinner. And you, and you end up walking out with a whole cart full. It's a brilliant, brilliant model. Prime, it currently costs $139. Okay, So that's what you want for your free shipping. Well, most people offer free shipping today, but 
You go on Amazon because you know you got the free shipping. And oh, by the way, if you want tied down to other household stuff, so you start looking at it, sometimes Walmart's cheaper or Target cheaper. But why do you not go to Walmart? Why do you not go to Target? Amazon's got free shipping. Okay, so you're already locked in that ecosystem. But if you have an American Express Platinum card, you can get Walmart Plus for free. Statement credit, but still free. It's a benefit there. What Chris Squires is doing at American Express has been nothing short of brilliant. And during the pandemic, he gave this really great interview to Barron's and he talks about sitting down with Warren Buffett. And then Buffett gave him this great advice and said, invest in your business, protect your brand, protect your customers. And that's what American Express did. And that's and that's thriving. They're offering all, all these different perks here. But getting back to, to Amazon with the prime costing $139 here, looking at these markets, as I said, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Miami, perhaps even Denver in the summer. What if there was a $400 or $500 a year monthly prime mobility tier that unlocks those markets? So if you're living in San Francisco, it's $400. But if you commute between San Francisco and Miami, perhaps it's $700 a year. So you can your travel perks can go with you and you can always move around. Would you look to an Uber? No. You would go in the Zooks vehicle. Why? Because you're paying for the quote-unquote free shipping, but you're paying for quote-unquote the free ride. If I'm Uber and this model starts to scale, <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm watching this and I was like, okay, here we go. We're going to go back in the history way back machine. This is Hometown Buffet, folks. That's right, Hometown Buffet. This is all you can eat. The buffets are coming back. The all-you-can-eat buffets are coming back, and you're going to have the power user. I'd say 10 to 20% of the of the users are going to use this. But then you're going to have the individual that just wants the convenience factor knowing that it's there, and you're going to make money off them, and then they're going to become profitable. That, that was the Hometown Buffet model. It, it worked until America decided to get healthy. But who knows? It, it could happen. It could not It'd be very interesting to see. And then if you look at it from the traditional OEM side with the cars, that opens up the subscription model, which they've tried. And then perhaps there is some integrated subscription model there with through an Amazon partnership. Not sure. Interesting space to watch. Then then there's May Mobility. May Mobility is getting more and more interesting. They're operating in rural areas. They're connecting individuals to transit. But with, May doesn't get enough credit about it in the markets or with my friends in, in the analyst world is they're backed by Toyota. Well, May not, might not be one of the big three or big four in autonomy. They're certainly building a healthy business. They're generating revenue. They're they're operating in rural areas where other individuals don't want to operate. May Mobility in Minnesota, northern Minnesota, matter of fact, northern Minnesota, they're operating in the snow and the AVs are going. So I'll, I'll put on a hat here. I'll go out on a limb. I, I mentioned the, the Toyota relationship with the backing there. At some point, I predict that Toyota's going to step in and they're going to force Aurora Innovation to merge their car business with May and further solidify May as the big player for Toyota's backing. Because don't forget, May Mobility is building the technology for the Toyota e-palette. That's really interesting. So does Toyota basically make May their big bet? And then does Toyota eventually acquire May if that does happen? Perhaps. But the one thing that we can guarantee, I can guarantee if that happens, May business becomes strengthened. They become even a bigger business they are able to grow faster and then from on the aurora side of the house it frees aurora up to focus on their autonomous trucking business uh, you, you you read all the announcements you, you watch the investor day it's all about trucking 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 it used to be about car 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 in my opinion aurora is an autonomous trucking startup they're not an autonomous vehicle startup they're an autonomous trucking startup they want to be in the trucking business the rumors are true. Sterling Anderson loved the pivot to trucking, and if Mr. Anderson, if that's true, Mr. Anderson, Sterling, well done, sir. That's that's where the future of this stuff is. That's where it is. 
you know, what's this merely a thought? I'm going to put on my Mr. Market hat here. Aurora's going to run out of cash in 2024. They're going to be forced to raise capital and potentially recessionary environment with historically high interest rates. That's going to be really, really difficult to raise capital in this market. Very difficult and also, frankly, very expensive into the investors and public markets even have the appetite when they're they're fleeing to money market accounts, they're fleeing to, to short-term yield. <laughs> we saw what happened when you bet they're on a 30-year. <laughs> That's not good. We're not going to do that. It's all short-term now. And I want to add some economic insight in here because in Q4 2022, Aurora generated negative, I repeat, negative cash flow of $143.26 million on revenue of a mere $2 million. I repeat, negative cash flow of $143.326 million. Negative cash flow on revenue of $2 million. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out, or frankly, a kindergartner can figure that out. You can't survive. You can't survive in the public market like that. You, you, you just can't do it. In this market, or any market for that matter, these numbers will, will not cut it. And According to Bloomberg data, the company's projected to lose money well into 2025 and beyond. Investors are not rewarding companies that lose money. Frankly, they're voting them out of the market. That's right. The market is a giant voting machine. I said it. The market is a giant voting machine, and they're voting them out of the market. We saw what happened with Embark. They're a peer of Aurora's. They also spacked. Aurora spacked. What happened with Embark? Investors voted them out of the market. Why? I'll give you one little hint. During their time as a public company, Embark did not generate $1 of revenue. Not $1 of revenue. Bob's Ice Cream Store. Bob's Ice Cream Store down the street. Guarantee you, guess what? On a hot summer day, he generates more than $1 of revenue. <laughs> Maybe he should have spacked during the, during the SPAC boom, which has turned into the SPAC disaster. But Mr. Market's correcting himself. And then what happened? Uh, on, on March 7th, Embark announced, unfortunately, that Mr. Market was right, and, and, the, and the investors voted, as I said, it was a voting machine, that it would lay off 70% of its workforce and prepare to shut the company down. It's a bold move. At least you can return some capital to shareholders, so I respect that fact. But how do you go public when you don't generate one, $1 of revenue? You don't do it. You don't do it. You don't buy into the SPAC hype that was promoted on Reddit and Twitter. You just don't buy into that. And then I, so I start reading analyst reports, and I love analyst reports. And some analysts, in my opinion, have incorrectly pinned this downfall on the of Embark and the unsuccessfulness of Aurora and the public markets and too simple in the public markets on the healthy Thomas vehicle industry. Newsflash, nothing could be farther from the truth. The industry is healthy. In fact, the demise of Embark is healthy. It proves that the, the market's working. The voting machine is working. Markets pick winners and losers based on the most that businesses can build around their businesses that generate profits allowing their companies to build those economic moats. Yes, you want to put sharks and alligators and all sorts of chomping things in that moat where nobody wants to enter because your business is that strong. And unfortunately, Embark learned the cruel, harsh reality of markets and soon Aurora will learn the fate, same fate as markets do not reward companies that are not growing and generating significant profits. To be a public company is not to be a private company. There's two different types of management styles. They're two different types of companies. You can't run a private company the same way that you run a public company, with or without shareholders on, on the private side. Two different companies. You've got SEC regulations. You've got transparency. You have reporting requirements. Two different companies. Two different skill sets. Very frankly, two different types of companies. Did Embark and Aurora go public too early? Yes. The answer? Yes. And I repeat, 
Yes, again. If Embark and Aurora stayed private, would we be having this conversation right now? Probably not. No, we'd be talking about their success of their growing partnerships and, and the business of raising a potential new funding round. Different conversation. Again, two different types of companies. And then there's two simple. I, I, I don't know what to say. I'm not going to offer comment on that. All I'm going to say is read the public filings. Read the SEC filings. It reads like a Netflix show. Mike Judge, perhaps you make autonomous trucking your, your, your next Silicon Valley because you got plenty of content to do it. And you can't make up the situation that's happened there. And it's it's sad. It's frankly... Very sad, and the company looks like it's on its way to a potential delisting. And that's what it looks like it's going. And then you've got Embark and Aurora. They SPAC too simple to the traditional IPO. And all three, at this point, have a tr- limited shelf life in the public markets. They're all on their way out. They didn't work. They, they all went public too early. Then there's the private markets. Private markets are functioning. Okay, they're functioning well. There's Kodiak and Torque. They're growing and hiring all out of the global public markets. If Kodiak and Torque went public, would we be having the same conversation as Embark Aurora and Too Simple? Maybe. But their management teams made the decision on Kodiak to, to stay private and turn down multiple SPAC offers. And on Torque's side, they made the decision to be, have, uh, allow Daimler to acquire a majority stake in 2019. Daimler acquiring a majority stake in Torque, frankly, was a very smart move, both for Torque and Daimler. It gave torque a partner with deep pockets in a truck and for daimler get them access to an autonomy stack well done on both sides of the transaction two different worlds two different markets and when mr market completes his job the autonomous trucking industry in my opinion will be dominated by kodiak and torque and perhaps waymo via if waymo gives via the team the resources they need to scale and grow and frankly waymo needs to hire trucking individuals with trucking experience that know the lingo, know the handshake, know how the world works. Then there's Wabi. Raquel's building it out of Toronto. Who knows? If they can raise the capital and stay out of the limelight, there's a shot. They can round out the pack, but only time will tell. But they're right now currently raising capital. They have money in the bank, and they're a private company. So only time will tell. I'm not going to pass judgment one way or another on Wabi. All I'll merely say is that time will tell, which will at this point leaves us with two, possibly three big autonomous trucking companies. That's what's left. Consolidation work because it's going to allow private companies to raise more capital. As for the investors, it'll be a concentrated bet. There's less places to put your capital, so you'll be able to raise more capital. A consolidated market will allow the winners to build a big business, generate profits, build that giant moat full of sharks and crocodiles and alligators and all sorts of interesting creatures in there. Because when the companies are growing, they're generating meaningful revenue and large profits, then they'll IPO and then they'll be rewarded. Airbnb waited. Airbnb waited. Okay, they waited a very long time to go public. They're profitable. They're buying back stock. They're growing. They went at the right time. Okay, stock might be down from what it IPO'd at, but there was a run up. Still a profitable company. Still buying back stock. Still have a very healthy balance sheet. The question is who's going to be the Airbnb of the autonomous vehicle industry when they go public? Who will wait for the moment to where your balance sheet is right? And you're profitable. That's the company to watch. Who that is, I don't know. Because time is on their side. As for the times, they are a changing. And when the autonomous trucking industry first began, it was an afterthought. The robotaxis now it's the forefront of the autonomous conversations. My oh my, how the times, they have changed. Just like we've seen in the banking industry. A handful of players will 
come to dominate the future of autonomy and perhaps as it currently stands those players are Cruz, Waymo, Motional, Kodiak and Torque rounded out by your regional banks or your small niche players of May Mobility and Zooks who knows market conditions will change what we do know is that the times they are a changing if you've enjoyed this SAE tomorrow today unplugged or have general thoughts or questions or feedback or you don't agree reach out to me on Twitter at G-B-R-U-L-T-E. I'm looking forward to the conversation and thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next week as we hear from Kathy Winter, Chief Operating Officer at May Mobility and Thomas Johnson Kaiser, CAVEX Engagement and Project Manager at Minnesota DOT. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.